Images have become the lingua franca, a common language of political communication. By using social media, which is superbly fitted for sharing visuals, politicians have control over their own narrative, instead of relying on how media portrays them. The importance of visual communication in politics is why Mark Jungblut and his colleague joined forces to look at images of candidates in an election, more precisely the EU Parliament one in 2019. A lot of political research focuses on precisely election times because it's a time when political communication is the most consequential. Also, the quantity of coverage of politicians is bigger. The fact that the European Parliament has a gender imbalance among its members was the starting point for the study. The amount of women in the Parliament has been on a steady rise but still, only 41% of them are female. There must be a reason, or more precisely reasons, why this gender imbalance still exists, Mark Jungblut says. The study that we're talking about today is focused on stereotypes. The researchers wanted to know if the gender stereotypes that we usually assign to males and females can be seen in the images of candidates. Who was smiling, that's a female stereotype, and who was angry, which is a typically male stereotype. One thing is how the media covers candidates and portrays them in the images. Another thing is how the candidates themselves choose to show themselves in images. In fact, it can actually be an advantage for a female candidate to be typically feminine in her images. This is Keywords. Welcome. Hello, Mark. How are you? Nice to see you. Great. Nice to see you, Rasmus. And thank you for inviting me. Thanks for being in here. And you're working from Munich in Germany. Well, currently we are all still on remote working. It's a very new and, and strange situation for academics having to adapt to. It's a challenging time. It's an interesting time. And, and um, let's see what sticks from, from that time. And, and if we probably even can find some things that we learned here that we'll uh, keep on for longer in our working routines. Uh, has this research that we are talking about today, has it been uh, incepted during the pandemic? Actually not. Actually, we started working on that, I think, right before the pandemic, sometime in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I think the first draft of the paper was ready right before the pandemic. But then um, it went through academic peer review and that always takes a time until you have uh, the reviewer satisfied, until you have uh, improved on some weak points that, that or shortcomings that mm -hmm. can be found in, in most manuscripts. And then it was uh, the paper was recently published, I think, early 2021. So first of all, uh, we're talking about this study where you have been looking into political images during the elections. 
But before talking about the actual study and uh, centering ourselves in political communication, what do we know about um, images and how they are used? So there's an increasing importance of visuals. Visuals are everywhere, right? So communication has become increasingly visual also because politicians can circumvent the media as gatekeeper. So because of social networking sites, they can directly send their messages to the uh, electorate. And this, uh, these messages have become increasingly visual. Also, there's increasing reliance on visual communication and political communication. Mm -hmm. The second angle that you could look at is the uh, effects. There's very strong evidence that visuals tend to have different effects than text. So visuals trigger what you call the heuristic route of information processing. So the processing of visuals is much less cognitive. It's much more based on the activation and application of judgmental rules that are sort of, or, or stereotypes that are sort of embedded in your cultural or social upbringing. Instead of like looking into differences on a general level, you were interested in uh, gender differences between female and male politicians. There is uh, earlier research done on this. Uh, what do we know about uh, distinctions between genders in political communication? So this, this is not a purely visual phenomenon. That's um, a phenomenon that exists throughout society. There are certain um, embedded ideas how male and female persons are. And the place where this becomes problematic is where when these ideas translate into expectations. Mm -hmm. So how men and female persons are, are supposed to behave. And the main stereotype about women that can be problematic when you talk about political communication is that women are expected to be empathetic, warm, and compassionate, while men, on the other hand, are regarded as tough, dominant, and competitive. Mm -hmm. And the problem here is that what people tend to associate with strong political leaders match the stereotypical male characteristics. So mm -hmm. women run into the danger of having to overcome what Jameson calls uh, the double bind. So they, have, they enter a dilemma where they either fail to match the feminine stereotype of yeah. being true, in inverted commas, true uh, feminine mm -hmm. by being caring, warm and empathetic, or they fail to match with the stereotypical idea of how a strong leader behaves. And this brings them into a dilemma where they can only fail on one of the two standards, which in the end will make them uh, appear less viable for office. Mm. You write that scholars earlier have then expressed their concerns about how this disadvantages uh, female candidates. Absolutely. So there are, again, two strains of literature that you have to look on. The one is content analytical, so a literature that looks at how the news covers candidates. There you can find very strong differences between male and female candidates. So you see that female candidates are, when female candidates are the, the theme of the news article, the article much more often deals with their appearances, with their personal life, yeah. and with issues that are stereotypical female, so with uh, family politics, with social politics, mm -hmm. and so on. And also, female candidates receive more negative viability coverage, so more coverage that discusses or doubts their uh, fitness for office. 
So the second strain of research on um, gender stereotypes and political communication is experimental research, mm-hmm. looking at how exp- uh, how different depiction or different characteristics of candidates affect their perceived fitness for office. And there you actually find contradictory results. Mm. So it's not 100% clear if these stereotypes translate into different voting decisions. But then again, it's very hard to uh, find an experimental design with a very strong external validity, meaning an experimental design that can easily easily be um, translated or transferred into reality, mm. right? So there's still a difference between filling out an online survey, an online experiment, to going into the election cabin and making your cross. And that's a, a discrepancy that will always stay there. There's no really good way to actually measure mm. or, or look at this. Mm-hmm. But experiments are not as clear in uh, the effects as content analytical mm-hmm. studies are in the differences of the uh, portrayal of male and female candidates. And it's very important to always keep in mind that the political context through all these experiments, through all these studies, the political context, so which party does a candidate be- uh, belong to, how close is the party mm-hmm. to the ideology of the person that's being asked is much stronger in the effect than if a person is characterized in gender stereotype or not in gender stereotype. Right. So uh, getting back to when you were planning on doing this research with your colleague, uh, how did you then settle for this like feministic approach to, to the, this uh, area of studies? Well, the, I think the main point of departure for, for us was when we realized uh, how significant the underrepresentation of female politicians still is in the European Union. So um, the study deals with the EU election, and I think the the share of female politicians is still somewhat around 40% or below 40%. So just from that, you started untangling the landscape behind that. But I was wondering, like, if we are talking about these stereotypes, they are very deeply rooted in our minds and attitudes that we don't even we are not even aware of them absolutely we're not we're not aware of that and that's the that's why looking at visuals is so important mm. because of the way that visuals are processed not cognitive but based on heuristics mm. it actually directly feeds into our stereotypes right and this this whole notion of the the deep embeddedness of stereotypes can also be connected to our point of departure where we're only talking about two uh, different genders you could also make the point of saying we have a gender fluidity and you need to uh, be much more differentiated in how you look at gender stereotypes because you might have different stereotypes for different parts on the continuity there is a lot of earlier research done on on gender stereotypes and um, there has also been research done about political communication and and how gender are stereotyped within that. What do we then know? How are the candidates differently depicted? I think in terms of visual communication, not a lot of work has been done, but there's a lot of work that looks at uh, the news coverage in general. And I think uh, there's a very amazing study that has recently published by Van der Paas and Aldering, which uh, is a matter analysis. So they do an analysis of other analyses. Yeah. They look sort of at the broad canvas of studies that have been done and, and 
point out to mm-hmm. clear existing uh, gender differences in the way that that male and female politicians are being described. And they connected to two different reasons or two different occasions where gender st- uh, stereotyping occurs. The one is prescriptive gender stereotyping. So there are certain stereotypes about how male and female politicians should behave. They are descriptive gender stereotypes. So expectations about how men and women are. The third reason or the third occurrence of stereotyping is the idea that because they're not so much presented uh, present in the parliaments, not so much present in politics, women are often uh, disassociated from public uh, service, from public life. As a consequence, there's much more viability coverage about them, so much more coverage discussing if they're fit for office. And fourth, uh, gender stereotypes are often based on journalists' own stereotypes that are being reproduced again in the text. And as a consequence, the, the article is very strong in demonstrating that overall women receive more attention to their appearances, more attention to their personal life, uh, more negative coverage about their fitness for office, and a stronger focus on stereotypical issues and traits in the coverage. Hmm. And this is like for our listeners, this is a study that has been published uh, last year. So we are not talking about the situation 50 years ago, but exactly like... uh, well, it's looking back on earlier research done, but uh, but anyway, it's a uh, it's still like uh, descriptive of of the situation in, in our societies today. Absolutely. But then you also write that uh, that there is a conflict here with that a female politician having stereotypical female traits also gets more coverage. So uh, that's a dilemma, I guess, for, for the candidates, if, if they want to break that. Absolutely. And you can connect that to uh, news value theory, which is a theory that been advanced a lot in, in Norway by uh, Galtung and Ruge. Um, and they pointed out in the 60s already that journalists are very much interested in uh, coverage that has specific characteristics and these character or events that have specific characteristics and these characteristics give uh, events a higher news value resulting in more coverage and one of these characteristics is the consonants Mm -hmm. so events that are in a certain way consonant to what people expect can get more coverage and what they also point out is these characteristics this give that give news value to an event will be further emphasized in the news coverage. Mm -hmm. So because um, women might behave in gender stereotype, they are consonant to the expectation of journalists, giving them more news coverage. But on the other hand, the gender stereotypical behavior might even be further emphasized in the news. I was thinking when you had this earlier research uh, done and so much material and uh, showing you the situation in its bluntness, how did you feel about going into your study with this research in mind? 
although the first thing is that you, as an optimist and progressive, you expect things to get better, right? So you think, well, it's tw- the data comes from 2019, so probably those these gender mm. stereotypes that were present before might not be present here or might just be present in parts because we looked at the whole European Union's probably in certain part of the EU, but not in other parts, something like that. But in the end, we found some gender stereotypes that can be found across the line, right? So for your sample, what did you do then? You wanted to work within the European sphere. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we decided on the social media platforms. Um, I think mm-hmm. Instagram was a very was a very easy pick as a social media platform because it's inherently visual. But then yes. we also went for Twitter A because it's also very relevant in most of the 28 member states and B because it targets us a very different audience than Instagram. Mm-hmm. Then as a next step, which was a very labor intensive step, we had to identify the names of all the candidates. And um, that was uh, very different and it worked differently for each country. So uh, your home country, Finland, was actually very kind because they had a machine readable CSV format uh, on some websites that you could just download and use. Other countries, they had handwritten PDFs that we had to, or handwritten scanned files that we had to first of all, be able to read and then enter into a, some sort of Excel file to have it present. So oh, you gosh. see, it was it was a bit of a work. And in the end, um, we came up with over 13,000 names of candidates. That's in all the member states from all the parties. And yeah. then uh, we composed a script that automatically searched for the names on the social media platforms and mm. then downloaded for uh, Twitter the profile picture and the banner page and for Instagram the profile picture and the five most recent posts. And uh, so this approach is called web scraping and it basically uh, makes use of the idea that the URLs in which Twitter and Instagram represents content are fairly regular so you can with the help of knowing the the name of a person you can basically download this material mm-hmm. we enriched this data by looking at media right because we wanted to compare social networking yes. sites to the media coverage so what we did we went to the reuters digital news report to similar web and to tns to determine the two most mm-hmm. used news outlets for each of the member states and then we wrote a different script or adjusted a different script that a colleague of us wrote that looked at the websites of these newspapers mm-hmm. through a Bing uh, image search. And we, Im- we image searched specifically for these websites, the name of, the, of each candidate and downloaded the five, if there mm-hmm. were five, the five latest search results. So that we had representations from social media and visuals from the news. This is where doing research gets even trickier. Mark Jungblut and his colleague, using the so-called method of web scraping, had collected nearly 80,000 images. Social scientists are using more and more computational methods to look at big chunks of data. This is what Jungblut did. Putting an off-the-shelf commercial software to work, the scientists could get the material sorted. They wanted to see which candidates were happy or angry, 
or whether the pictures depicted only the candidate or the candidate with people. If the picture had more people in it, it was regarded as a female stereotype, since females are viewed as more team-oriented, Jungblut explains. On the other hand, a picture that was dominated by a face was regarded as stereotypically male. For the first time actually on this podcast, we have a research that had hypothesis, hypothesis, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I won't cut this because it's funny, Uh, but uh, I know like one hypothesis, but you had several. So, so overall we had three parts in the paper. One focus Mm -hmm. on the news coverage, one focus on social networking sites. And the third basically compares them structurally. The one focusing on the news coverage, first of all, shows, and it's probably one of the most relevant results, that female politicians are depicted more often happy than male politicians. So there's an emphasis on happiness as a gender, emotional gender stereotype Mm -hmm. in the news coverage. All the other variables either were non-significant or the effect size, so the, the, the size of the difference was not substantial. So the larger your data is getting, the more likely it is that you have significant differences, but that does not mean that the difference is Mm. also substantial, so that the difference is also large. So the the most important difference when you compared the depiction of male and female candidates in the news coverage was that female candidates were depicted significantly and substantially more often with a happy facial expression than their male candidate, than their male colleagues. Mm. Um, the second interesting results when we looked at the news coverage was the comparison between conservative and yeah. progressive candidates. So our idea was that conservative candidates might be depicted more often in gender stereotypes, A, because the candidates basically chose to publish pictures of them showing them in gender stereotypical fashion because they think because either that's their personal values or they think that's something that their uh, voters might like, might like, or that journalists also decide to depict conservative candidates more often in a gender stereotypical manner because it's, again, consonant to their way of thinking, right? Because they expect conservatives to look more mm-hmm. gender stereotypical. And to, to look at that, we uh, compared how female conservative and female progressive candidates are depicted. And we compared how male conservative and male progressive candidates Mm -hmm. are depicted. And here we did not find any differences in the emotional gender stereotypes. So there's no difference in the happiness or the anger, but we found differences in what we call structural stereotypes. So female conservatives are more often depicted in communal situations, so more often depicted alongside other people than Mm. progressive female candidates. Mm. And male conservative candidates are more often depicted in a facial dominant way, so with that face covering more than a third of Mm -hmm. the frame compared to their progressive male colleagues. So there we could find what we call structural gender stereotypes. Now we're talking about the material that you scraped from the internet 
through these news sites from every exactly. country. That's that's the the part of the first part of the results where we look at the news coverage. So the way that the media depicts the candidates. The second part looks at how the candidates are depicted on social media. So it's their self-representation, the way that they choose to present themselves. Here, we again yes. find the significant difference in happiness. So also on social media, female candidates are depicted happy significantly more often mm -hmm. than male candidates. So this is like a, a very important result that you find throughout our whole study is this uh, emotional gender stereotype of happiness is very strongly present in the data. Yeah, so both from the news and the candidates themselves who, who portray themselves then more happy if they're female. Absolutely, yes. What did you think about this when you saw this result? It's, it's very in line with earlier research. It's in line with earlier research, especially with strategic stereotype theory by Friedkin and Kenny. Mm -hmm. And they suggest that it might be the case that female candidates actually pick and choose some of gender stereotypes, mm. uh, especially those that they deem to be actually beneficial to them and emphasize those mm. while they in a parallel try to de-emphasize others that might be harmful to their goal of being elected. And smiling, being perceived probably as, as warm or compassionate might not be such a bad quality for a political leader, especially in our uh, current times. So probably that, that might be the reason why female candidates try to emphasize this warm, compassionate, caring characteristic trait or character trait. So it's a two-edged sword. They they have they gain something from it, but at the same time they are reinforcing the the stereotype. Absolutely. I can close up the results with the last part. So so what we did is we we compared the depiction of females on their own social networking sites to female politicians depiction on the news and the depiction of male candidates on social networking side to the depiction of male candidates on the news. First of all, what we found is that happiness was more pronounced, was more often present on social networking uh -huh. sites, which underlines the idea of the strategic uh, gender stereotype theory that I talked yeah. about earlier. So it underlines the idea that female candidates actually choose to depict themselves more often happy to underline the quality of being warm, caring, yeah. compassionate. The second thing that we found, which was very interesting, is that communality and facial dominance were more often present on the news than they were present on social mm. networking side. But since the comparison on the news between male and female politicians did not show any differences mm -hmm. in regard to these variables, this is not actually a gender stereotype that mm -hmm. you could find, but it's a media effect. So for both male and female candidates, the media on the one hand try to show them more often in interactions, in, in communal yeah. situations, and on the other hand, try to show them more often with a very strong you could say, personalized view on their face. So in addition to discovering mm -hmm. gender effects, we also were able to point towards different peculiarities of how the media likes to display political candidates independent of their gender. Right. So that so there is no, no um, difference then between male and females, but it's just how media works. Exactly. So there's, there are not only, that's the important part, there are not only 
gender stereotypes that you can identify, but there are also differences in uh, in overall how political candidates independently from their gender like to depict themselves on social media and how the news wants to depict them consequential in a directly manner for them. When you were finished with this and gained some perspective on, on the research, what was the most illuminating uh, for you? Well, first of all, um, coming back to our initial motivation, it was very satisfying to see that these kind of automated visual analysis actually work, that they are able to bring up valid results, that they are a fruitful yeah. way for future studies. That was the positive thing that we took out of it. Obviously, it's still puzzling, troubling that we have gender stereotyping going on, even though we're not too sure about the effects of it, but we know that it's still present in the news coverage. What's your take then on why female candidates choose to enforce these stereotypes on their own social media practice? Why, why are they depicting themselves happy? I think there are different answers to this question. First of all is they might expect the electorate to value these sort of depictions. So they think that their voters want them to, to behave or to display themselves in a certain way. Mm. The second answer to this question is again the, the strategic stereotype theory where you can say um, they might actually profit from some of the stereotypes. So being depicted as happy might transport the, the idea of them being warm, mm -hmm. caring, and compassionate, which are actually good qualities for a political leader. Especially with female political leaders, you always have this, this idea, this image mm -hmm. of the caring mother that guides the state in a way, right? And that might feed into this narrative. And it might also be that there is a difference, again, that's something that we that we pointed towards in our data between conservative and uh, progressive candidates, with conservative candidates mm -hmm. actually emphasizing some gender stereotypes more strongly than the progressive candidates because they believe that their electorate value this more strongly or because it's their own values. And there was one uh, quote that I, I really stuck with me. Importantly, there are contradictory co conclusions about whether female candidates can benefit from breaking with gender stereotypes. And this was very interesting to me that earlier research is not so certain that that's uh, a good decision to make as a female candidate. And uh, that stuck with me because it's quite depressing conclusion. It's the... the hard part or it's the hard way on how to translate experimental research mm. into the social reality that I mentioned earlier before. So there are some experiments that point towards a more negative evaluation of yeah. female candidates that break with gender stereotypes. There are others who don't see any connections. There are even some that say, well, um, they might be evaluated more positively if they break with gender stereotypes. But then again, it's always a question of how well you can translate mm. the experimental design to the social reality. And in the end, uh, as I said before, the political context will always yeah. be the way more important variable. So if you are very yeah. strongly thinking conservative, 
it doesn't matter how the conservative candidate is being uh, depicted you will vote for the conservative candidate if you're very yeah. strong progressive it will be the same way and there will also be um, effects like the incumbency mm. effect so someone who is already in power mm. gets a certain bonus because of how he or she behaved before and this effect is also in most of the experiments stronger than the uh, gender stereotypical depiction so there is no clear empirical proof that gender stereotypes are like the big decision maker in elections, but there is some evidence that there is an effect of them. And that's why it's very fruitful and very important to look at them. Because in the end, we always see, or we still see that female candidates are underrepresented in the, the parliaments throughout, I think most of the European countries. And there, need to be, there needs to be a reason for that, right? And mm. starting with gender stereotypes is a way of looking into what this, this reason might be. Mm. But, and, and actually, like, I guess this study can be very, very interesting for new candidates in the future, looking into their campaigns and how to build them and, and look into, well, and this is what mm. um, the candidates from earlier elections were doing and, and uh, could have a close read on, on this study and, and others as well. It's, it's a really good point because normally election studies are somewhat dated, right? Because who cares about what happened at an election 20 years ago? So you need to make sure that you have an added value that, that outdates the election itself. And this might be actually a point where you can think, well, you see, there were gender stereotypes present there. Is it still the case or is it still the case four years after? And, and looking at this at a more of a, of a longitudinal perspective might uh, unravel how we also evolve in terms of our thinking, our stereotypical uh, mm. ideas about gender, gender mm. fluidity and, yeah. and um, issues connected to this. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Keywords, a podcast about research that's out there but doesn't get enough attention. If you have a research that should be featured on my podcast, reach out to me on Twitter at Erasmus Kullonen or send me email to erasmus.kullonen at helsinki.fi. Thanks for listening.